Welcome to PD Explores, a Portland State research podcast featuring scholarship, innovations, and discoveries pushing the boundaries of knowledge, practice, and what is possible for the benefit of our communities and the world. Uh, my name is uh, Roberta Suzette Hunt, and um, I am in the School of Social Work. I'm an assistant professor in the Child, Youth, and Family Studies Department. My research interests. Um, so I, uh, right now, I'm doing quite a bit on Black maternal health, um, health equity research. Equity research more broadly is really what I focus on. Um, I am a Black feminist scholar, and so I um, a lot of my work focuses on uh, Black people and Black life. And uh, I also do research on um, people of color and higher ed access. Uh, and um, I work with uh, theater and film as ways of um, sharing information about my work as well. In the U.S., uh, black birthing people have a three times higher chance of experiencing adverse outcomes or death in birth. Our children, also black children, also have a higher chance of dying um, before they turn one. For uh, black birthing people, the older we are, the more financially stable, the more um, education we have, the more our outcomes go down. Right. So uh, what we find is that some of the things that contribute to this um, are uh, Dana Ain Davis wrote, wrote the book Reproductive Injustice that's looking at uh, prematurity and NICU experiences of black birthing people. And in her work, she identifies that uh, obstetric uh, diagnostic lapses so misdiagnosing what black birthing people are experiencing contributes to our uh, loss. The idea of obstetric hardiness that uh, this and this idea really comes from enslavement, this idea that the black body is strong and therefore is uh, just built for birthing and is uh, not suffering that contributes to diagnostic lapses and it means that our legitimate needs are not being uh, taken care of when we come to the hospital. Um, this idea of strong babies also influences inadequate care of um, black children in NICUs. And the kind of history of diagnostic, I mean, of um, systemic racism also is kind of the container that um, makes us vulnerable when we are pregnant, when we are um, seeking care, uh, when we deliver, and afterward. Another thing that contributes is this idea of weathering, um, so that racism 
um, makes us sick. And racism-related stress causes the body to age prematurely. So when you are looking at some of the health needs of black folks, stress causes us to be predisposed to illness, um, be that diabetes or high blood pressure or other things. Uh, one of the things that I think about with black maternal health is that it does not need to be this way. What I what this brings up for me is thinking about how is racism influencing healthcare. What are ways that we can work to address this, and um, how are grassroots groups working to uh, address to care for the birthing people in their communities and to shift health systems. So we um, we get that those systems of power and oppression have. Um, historical and current legacies on our birth outcomes. It's also important to note that the U.S. is lagging in its maternal health outcomes compared to other developed nations. So though we spend the most on reproductive health care, our outcomes are among the worst of developed nations. So one might say we're doing it wrong. So I think uh, something that is useful to, you know, I think for a lot of folks, um, when I talk about this, a lot of them are like, no, you just, you go to the doctor and, um, you know, you do what the doctor says and you should be fine. For a lot of black people that I interview um, in focus groups and whatnot around maternal health, they speak about not being listened to when they're talking to their doctor. And that that experience of not being heard when they're saying, like, this hurts or I'm, I'm worried about this means that their bodies are being minimized. And in, in reproductive health care, that also means that places of intervention um, can be missed. Opportunity, people, are, people are really saying, like, I need care. And um, if the system is not responsive to I need care, then that is a form of medical neglect. Historical trauma from uh, um, medical racism deeply impacts the relationship between um, black folks and medical providers and medical systems. And that is something that uh, really needs to be addressed. You know, I find it interesting that when I am doing advocacy with medical providers, that I do have to emphasize that black people feel pain, that we feel pain um, no different to anyone else. And I think there are plenty of people who will say, well, that's silly that you even have to say that. And the answer to them is, you are damn right. It is silly. And so really needing to challenge the different stereotypes, false notions, um, racist ideas about the black body is really important. Other ways it can turn up is around within that medical moment, um, assumptions of, uh, so microaggressions, assumptions of criminality or aggression that uh, if Black people within the medical system are saying, like, I need help, and that help is not coming, and they they get agitated, 
that can make us vulnerable, right? And we see that this kind of assumption of um, aggression or criminality, it influences us in relation to police. It influences us um, in education, like with the school to prison pipeline. It influences us when we go to access health care. You know, I think you you um, really have to look at in what ways are people pushed out of a system of care and in what ways and what is the care that they are needing, um, which is really what my work is is um, looking to tease out. So thinking about um, the web of support that um, people need around, uh, you know, when they're pregnant when they go to have their babes, when they, um, in the, the year after, you know, the medical model, we think about, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, you need to call your doctor and they will get you in um, and you will begin having your monthly uh, meetings with your doc until the last stage of your pregnancy where you'll meet them more often. Until you deliver. So what, you know, what we're finding is that um, for some people that is enough. For a lot of people, it's not. And so uh, a web of support can look like doulas, community health workers, uh, nurse family partnerships that are um, connected to the birthing person before, you know, during their pregnancy and um, are uh meeting with them monthly as well as their meeting with their doctor. One of the things that is a uh, protective factor for birthing people is to be known, right? One of the places that uh, black birthing people find um, are most vulnerable is that we are on one hand hyper visible and on the other hand invisible and neither are helpful. Um, because they're both f a false consciousness. Um, and so opportunities like doulas, community health workers, nurse family partnerships um, are ways for people to have um, to, to have a knowledgeable, experienced ear to connect with. Also thinking about um, uh, really bringing uh, more peers into the support network, so bringing them in as part of the birth team is really important. Uh, not pushing out uh, partners, right? So uh, black black fathers um, uh, and uh, queer partners talk a lot about um, not being invited in to the birthing experience, um, not being seen as part of um, both supporting the birthing person and this new child that's coming into the home. Um, it's important to uh, bring those people in as lovers and defenders of these um, of these people. I think the other thing is to really work with the relationship between um, black birthing people and their medical providers so that that relationship um, does the healing work that it is meant to do. Um, uh, because I, you know, I think there is a, a strong movement for, um, birthing centers and whatnot, which is really important. And there is a place 
where people who need um, their doctors, their OBs and their whatnot, to have them, to have that be a very strong connection because it it um, can be vital. And then when we think about postpartum care, you know, in our uh, medical model, we're like, okay, you get six weeks, you get eight weeks if you're if you're lucky, and um, and then you're done. And that um, is so off, right? We think about maternal suicide, um, which is actually a, a serious um, uh, killer of people postpartum. And uh, the need for uh, connection, uh, mental health care, the need to not just leave people alone. And, and that's also where doulas, community health workers, and um, nurse family partnerships are really important because those can extend um, beyond the, um, the medical moment. And we think about, you know, pediatricians are a part of this, NICUs are a part of this, um, making these places welcoming to black birthing people um, and their families, making them part of the care team that is um, supporting this new life. All of these things are, if you think about a sexual and reproductive justice framework, um, which is really addressing issues of economic justice, racial justice, and gender justice, all these things come together to um, more reproductive health, autonomy, and well-being. The work that I am doing now with the JEDI Project is to think more about what are the building blocks for a holistic, anti-racist, perinatal care framework. And I get to do some interviews with um, people around the country who are experts in um, black maternal care and who are really working to bridge community care and medical care. I am using some uh, findings from that to work with two groups. Um, my first group are uh, black public health medical providers and uh, public policy uh, folks uh, in Oregon um, who are working to address uh, black maternal health in their work and um, a group of black birthing people to think with them about what do we want? Like if we're thinking about holistic care, what do we want? And between those two groups and also thinking about what are some of the best practices that we're seeing emerge around the country, what is the what is a menu of both policy and uh, components of holistic perinatal health care for black folks that combines community care, and medical care as part of the framework. So I think of the, the aims are to identify best practices or emerging best practices that are happening around the country, to identify the goals 
of, or actually more, more to identify what people are currently working on in the state around black maternal health and what they would like to be working towards. And then the final goal is to look at what are opportunities for collaboration that, that could help get us there and what are um, the components, parts that we need to um, always hold as we are thinking about movement for um, to address black maternal health needs. We need to lift up people's good work. Um, Healthy Birth Initiative is absolutely one among a number of programs around the country that are having better outcomes. So we need to look at what they're doing. The other is that, uh, that we'll develop a framework of what holistic perinatal health care, holistic anti-racist perinatal health care can look like for Black birthing people and communities here in Oregon and work to have some type of policy agenda that um, could be moved. Something that is amazing that is happening around the country um, are these real moves for policy change and um, funding of Black maternal health. Uh, and so I, my hope is that this, among so much other work that is happening, will mean that 10 years from now, we will have very different outcomes. It really is something that can be fixed. I think that is in many ways, you know, we think about structural problems and we think, oh my gosh, it's too big. No. Uh, so my name is Roberta Suzette Hunt, and I work with people to listen to their stories and to help them bring those stories to policymakers and different people who can make structural changes for the things that have impacted their lives. Thank you for listening to PD Explorers. If you liked what you heard on this episode, please rate and follow the show anywhere you get your podcasts.